If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hey, hey, I'm Dan Wilson, and this is the Dan Wilson Interview, a podcast that brings the biggest names in entertainment from all around the world straight to your headphones. Now, this week, I'll be chatting to the iconic star of TV and film, and also this year's celebrity Big Brother runner up, Kirsty Alley. I caught up with the Chairs and Veronica's Closet star fresh out of her time in the Big Brother house talking about her A-list loves, weight battles and what's next. Plus she's also going to reveal the five songs that mean the most to her. Remember we've got loads more amazing stars including Sean Mendes and James Corden in our back catalogue so just make sure that you subscribe and listen back to those. Uh, I'll also have your comments on last week's chat with John Legend that went all around the world so make sure you're listening right until the end. But right now let's go in depth and personal. Here's Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley, welcome to my pod. Thank you. Your pod is nice. It's like a pea pod. It's green. (laughs) It is. It's very, very bright in here, but obviously no one can see it. So, yeah, yeah. they so. should because it's very bright green. It looks just like a peapod, and we look like two peas in a pod. And we're sitting here naked. We are <laughs> jagging while we speak. <laughs> but it is such a pleasure for me to have you here because I never, ever thought that I would get to talk to Kirstie Alley on the back of you being in Celebrity Big Brother. I have been an avid, avid fan because my parents love chairs, you okay. see. Yes. And then. Obviously, me, as a gay teenager, was totally obsessed with Veronica's Closet. (laughs) And so, I just never thought, Kirsty, that I would see you on a UK reality show. I never thought you would either. (laughs) (laughs) But you did so well. Oh, thank you. It was a mixed bag of tricks, that show. Yeah. And I I, I think it's really good that I didn't know much about it. I think it's very good you didn't know much about it. I sort of went into it. A little bit, you know, ignorance is bliss. Would you have gone in now? No. <laughs> you know, Very wise. The nice people at from the show sent me some clips. They really were good, lovely clips. Nothing like the show. They were just, it just looked like sweet, fun, you know, easy. I was like, this doesn't look bad. I think that's how they managed to get on quite good guests from America. Because there's a certain naivety. (laughs) Yes. Whereas, you know, this is a show, Kirsty, that in this country has a track record. And I love it, by the way. I'm a massive fan. I go on the spinoff show, bit on the side with Ryan, and I'm a huge, huge lover of the show. But it has a track record of potentially ruining people's careers. See, I didn't know that. (laughs) 
because we just started having celebrity Big Brother yeah. this year. I mean, I, I think just a few months ago. And the rules are very different. Mm. They can conspire against each other. They can gang up on people. You can't do that here. And I thought that was good. I think I saw one episode of Celebrity Big Brother in the U.S. Mm. And I didn't like that part. So when they said that you can't do that, I, I, I thought, okay, I like that. That's a better... I don't think it's right to gang up on people. But I didn't realize that it would, could be something that could ruin your career. But thankfully, it didn't ruin yours. It only enhanced so far, your reputation. Well, that's good. Because, see, I really, I'm such a huge fan of British films and British TV shows. Mm. And just the British sense of humor to me is the funniest. It's one thing that I felt like Cheers felt more British to me than American, actually. Absolutely. And uh, Brits, in particular, make me laugh really hard because I think that it's a very undercurrented type of humor and dry and that's what really makes me laugh so I've always wanted to come here and do something I've only all I've ever really been offered was the West End like mm. a theater mm. and I had two kids and I, I can't go do theater and so I, I did Big Brother so that I could uh, sort of go like here I am I'm still alive <laughs> and also <laughs> and also just because I had gotten you know you can get sort of complacent in your life and I thought, come on. And you know how you, I don't mm. know if you feel this way, but I always feel like when I'm in a foreign country, I can do everything. I can do anything. Totally. It's like no one knows who I am. Totally. I can, don't you drink more and act like an idiot more? I do Absolutely. too. I do too. There's so a freedom I, with it, isn't there? There is. Especially when I go to some place like Italy. For some reason I think, oh, these people have no idea who I am and I can act <laughs> like a total idiot. And no one will ever know. But um, I thought I, I did feel that way here a bit. And I think that was helped me in... Celebrity Big Brother. But on a deeper level, I mean, in America, yeah. your life has been picked over now for so many years. Does that give you a complex? No. Look, I don't do drugs. I don't uh, usually drink. I, I, you know, I was married for most of my career. I, I really live a pretty boring life, although I'm sort of eccentric. Mm. I think people found it hard to find things about me. You know, I wasn't out carousing around and I wasn't, you know, it my the majority of my career hasn't been, you know, dating 15 people or there wasn't a lot to say. So they started out by saying that I would ship, you know, 50 pounds of chocolate in every month from Switzerland on trains, which I don't know how that worked. <laughs> but uh, and most everything that has been said about me was not true. You know, when I was 54, I got fat. So that was true. So they finally had something true. She's fat. And I thought, I agree. And that got a little bit monstrous mm. because it was so vile. I mean, talk about politically incorrect. Right now, you would never take any actress on TV mm. and go, and there's a lot of fat ones right now, FYI. But when, when I got fat, late night talk show host would have a, their monologue would mm. be about it and I would so I'd go oh my god I turned the channel so that's when I one time I was so down and I got in my bed and I was just in there for three days crying like a little bitch and I then finally I went come on the only way this is ever going to make sense is if you just rise above this and make a shitload of money Mm. So go sell your fat, basically. Well, absolutely. But I, I, and, I, and I've heard you say that, but I think maybe where you have missed out what that actually did to people is hugely, hugely helped them. Because I, am, I have the biggest battle of my life is my weight, right? So I have been 
three stone lighter than what I am, and I've been three stone heavier than what I am. And it's something which has been so difficult to find anyone in the public eye to relate to. So for me, when you (laughs) first first did this and first decided that you were actually, as you say, going to sell it, but for me that meant talk about it and be honest about it and open up about why it's happened, how much you were struggling with it, you really were one of the first people who, other than Oprah, who was a very different kettle of fish because obviously she hadn't, she, she'd always opened up about her problems. Yeah, you know? right. There had never been an actor or an actress who had dealt with it in the same way. So was there any part of you that was talking about it not just for the money? Do you see what I mean? Well, in the first place, it, it, was, it was very weird because I was relatively skinny till I was 54. Mm. So when I hit 54 and I ate like, you know, we were my whole, every, we were all swimmers in my family and we were athletes and we ate massive amounts of food. And I had sort of a free ride, mm. honestly, because I never God, had, you were lucky, Kirsty, for 54 uh, years. I didn't, I know I was lucky <laughs> and it was, you know, it's genetic and I was, I was lucky because, I mean, it wasn't like I had great eating yeah. habits. When I did get fat, I was shocked at... How, because even at that time, I knew other actresses. They weren't, I guess you would call leading ladies, Mm. but they were famous actresses Mm. and they were way fatter than me. And that's when I was like, why me? Why are Mm. we talking about me like this? And then I thought, you know, because you started out thin, you've been thin your whole career, and now all of a sudden, so it's this big change. But I, I will say that when I, what came across my mind was I either... I couldn't walk out my front door without a million paparazzi mm. to just take the worst pictures they could possibly mm. take of me. So I made a decision. That's when, you know, when I was in bed and right before I got up, after the three days I was in bed, I thought, I am making a show called Fat Actress. Mm. And that was the turning point for me. And before that, had you, because I, I hate the F word, I call it. I hate the word fat. fat. I really struggle with it because I think there's a lot of shame connected to that word. Before you made Fat Actress, yes. were you able to say to yourself, I am fat? Oh, yeah. And I didn't like it because it wasn't like, you know, I, I think as an actress and m- most of my career, I would I would gain or lose nine pounds. That's pretty stupid and pretty easy, do you know? it's You could tell a little bit by looking at you, but nothing, you know, nothing. And so... When I actually knew I was fat, I don't have anything on the word fat. I mean, I know if I'm skinny or I'm fat or I'm hot or I'm not or I look like an idiot or I don't. It's pretty obvious to me. So, But is fact, though, connected to you with not being hot, though? Oh, yes. I would say that. So you, so, so if you're overweight, you I'm don't feel sexy? <laughs> because look I'm 67 years old mm. I come from the school of when you're an actress there's a responsibility and I still agree with this a bit mm. if you come if you want to be a leading lady which I did and you come on the scene and you're thin and you're sort of hot and you're this whatever mm. and then all of a sudden you show up and you're fat after the summer which is what I did you know mm. I went away for like four months to Maine and I was cooking and I was making, I just turned into Betty Crocker and I was making cakes and pies (laughs) and all this stuff. And and I'd be like, well, you really shouldn't eat that. Well, then I'll eat the whole thing. I mean, it was sort of like, 
I don't maybe all these years of sort of restraining yourself mm. and then I decided to just go wild. And then I mean, then I went, wow, now actually you've done it because you're not like this isn't ten pounds. This mm. is you are fat. And did your career instantly change? It changed sort of, but the weird thing was, even at my fat whatever, I never stopped working. Mm. Because I I want to say one thing. I think there's an irresponsibility about what I did. And I don't think that that was a good example. You know, maybe it did something for the whole industry in a good way because you would never, ever see a late night talk show host doing what they did mm. to me, ever. Well, have you heard about this model, Tess Holiday, who is morbidly obese and Cosmopolitan put her on the cover this month? And it's caused a huge debate all around the world about actually whether Cosmopolitan is doing the wrong thing because being that overweight is actually unhealthy. Or mm. the counter-argument is how often do these magazines put size zero models on the cover, which is also, in a different way, incredibly unhealthy. Yeah, well, I wouldn't expect Cosmo to have... A morbidly obese woman on the cover all the time. So they're making some kind of a statement. You know, let's say they use a plus-size model on their cover for, you know, two years, every single month. Mm. Then maybe mm. they would have something real going on. Mm. But what was their point? What was the article about? Well, she was... You're absolutely right. It was a stunt. It was to show that right. we can do this. But the, the message from Tess Holiday is she says... Women should not be told not to eat. She eats whatever she wants. She's proud of being morbidly obese. And she feels genuinely happy. But as someone who has been so up and down yourself, do you believe that? I mean, do you believe it's possible to be morbidly obese and happy with how you look? For me, no. I don't think I look good when I'm overweight. I, I mean, I could say this. I think I look a lot better just sort of a normal... Mm fairly thin weight. That's how I like to look at me. That's how I am the most agile. That's how I am the most flexible. That's how I am the fastest. That's how I, and weirdly enough, I, you know, I grew up as an athlete. And so I was, I've always been used to looking at athletic bodies. So that's what's normal to me. Uh, I don't advocate putting your weight over a certain number health-wise. I can't say that I think someone who's really morbidly obese, that's their best health move. Mm. I mean, I can't speak for someone else. I'm just, mm. I can speak for myself and go, I know when I'm on the thinner side that, I, I mean, I love the way I feel. Mm. I love the way, I, everything's easy for me. I put on a pair of jeans and a shirt and I go out the door and I have more energy. And as I get older, I... If I'm on the lighter side, I move better. Mm. You know, it's just better. So I can't judge for somebody else. Because Kate Moss very famously said, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. But this week, she has admitted that, in fact, that was an irresponsible thing to say. And it helped encourage this attitude in the fashion industry of simply not eating. You know, yeah, to, to, to be a particular way. I never agree with that, and I didn't like it. But I also have to say this: you know, when I start, when I grew up, models were modeling to show clothes, mm. and the clothes that they were showing were, and you didn't have the obesity problem in the United mm. States that you have now. So it, it was very rare. You know, I, I remember growing up in a grade school where there was one 
girl who was overweight and one boy who was overweight. Mm-hmm. And everybody else was sort of scrawny, you know, honestly. And it wasn't because they wanted to be a model. They were all just sort of lanky and skinny and kids running around playing all the time. But as time has passed and, uh, you know, computers and mm-hmm. kids are staying in and they're not running around, I think a lot of kids, their sugar is out the wazoo, fast food restaurants laden with sugar and chemicals and bad products. I can't go, how those people got fat is not healthy. Mm-hmm. How I got fat is not healthy. I got fat because I was eating, like I said, just cakes, cookies. You know, I wasn't eating two cookies. If I made cookies, I would eat 12 cookies. And how I really got, when I really went off the rails was because there was this one certain brand of grape soda, and I'd never had it. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine in Maine came over and said, ooh, try this. And I went, oh, my God. (laughs) So I started drinking 12 grape sodas a day. And twelve, and that seems like nothing, because if you drank 12 yeah. glasses of water, who cares? But I was like, look, 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 you know, just consuming massive amounts of sugar. So I can't say that's healthy. Mm. I can't speak for that person who you're talking about, mm. because I don't know her lifestyle. I don't know if she drinks 12 grape mm. sodas. But if she did, I wouldn't go, yeah, right on. That's a great idea. And obviously, a few years ago, Kirsty, you did, again, lose a significant amount of weight. I think it was Okay, here's my trend. This is what I do since I gained weight. It may seem like I'm fat all the time or I'm not or whatever. But the real truth is it goes in a four-year cycle. And it goes like this. I'll be – well, it started out. Then I lost the weight. It takes me about six months to lose the amount of weight I want. Then I'm good for like three or four years. And then I'll go – like then I'll take six months and I sort of gain back – you know, whatever the number is, 30 pounds, whatever, I, I'll gain it back. Then I lose it in six months. Then mm. I'm that way for three or four years. I don't like that cycle about me, but it is what's happened to me. Do and know? how do you feel now? I feel like I want to be thinner than this. I, I, because I'm on the up end, I'm at the end of the cycle of the six month mm. cycle where I just gained weight. Mm. But about a year ago, I got Lyme disease, and I, I hate even talking about it because when I, when I got it, I did I posted like, oh great, now I have Lyme disease, and I didn't know it was this crisis. Mm. So I then I just took it off my Twitter because it was like, it's a crisis somehow. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway, so for the and last, did you get it from a tick? Yeah, in Maine, I got a tick wow. bite, and I, I have for ten months, during the day, I would be in bed for eight hours a day. And that, so that weight gain, this one was different because it had Mm. to do with not moving. And I'm usually in motion all the time. So, but, so I came out the end of this and I'm like, oh my God, you know, and I quit smoking because I go, that, that's my other thing that Mm. I will, I will not smoke for three or four years. Then I'll smoke for a year and a half. Then I won't smoke for three or four years. So I have this really weird cyclic kind of situation with smoking and Mm. eating. And when you do lose the weight, yeah. though, do you try something different every time? No. Well, you know, I was a Jenny Craig spokesperson, yeah. and it worked really well for me. It's super sensible. It's like, this is how many calories. This is what you're eating. Yeah. It was really yummy. It was. I was the perfect spokesperson for them because it, it really works, and it was really mm. easy, and it was really that. So there's something within me that is you know it's like when i quit smoking i go okay i will never smoke again mm. cut to like four years later i'll be in italy and someone's smoking a cigarette and i don't usually drink so i'll go oh I, i'll be drinking a cocktail and then i'll go oh give me one of those i'll just have one there's no such thing as one cigarette for me 
So then I'm off and running and, you know, I'll smoke for a year and then I'll quit again. I mean, I don't like mm. those things in me, but... There is an approachability with people who are overweight and talk about their weight because it's something that so many people can relate to. Of course, I mean, come on. I mean, look. So did it change how you Have you noticed how every guy, all these... All these male actors are fat as hell, and then all of a sudden, if you ask them why, it's because they're always getting ready for a role. Yeah. Well, you know, other than Raging Bull or something, they're not playing fat people. So, is that really true? No. And are we? It, but with women, it's like I think I think through history, you know, it, it. I don't usually get into this, but it is a thing where you can belittle women mm. and get away with it, where you wouldn't get away with it with men, or you wouldn't mm. even think of it. Do you know? So I, I feel like, I do feel this way. I feel like my dilemma changed the rules of what men say about women mm. on television. And if it only served that purpose, it would be good. And I'm not blowing smoke up my own ass. I know now that you would never hear that mm. on a talk show. And I know that late t night guys that just, I mean, NBC made one of them apologize publicly, mm. which actually made me feel even s dumber mm. because it was just like, really, would you say this to your wife? Mm. Would you say this to your mother or mm. your sister? So I feel that I helped change mm. that. So there's this big scope of what's going on. Mm. And then there's me personally. So when someone says to me personally, do you, do you prefer being thin? Mm. I do. It makes my life easy. But what about with men away from the public spotlight, though, Kirsty? I mean, what about in your day-to-day -day life? Because it's quite interesting. Very often I speak to very beautiful, slim, female A-listers who say men don't approach them because they feel so threatened. So, so, so when you had that change... Um, men don't approach fat actresses either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. They're always like, men don't approach me. Well, men don't approach me. I mean, I don't know what it is. And when I look at men, yeah. and if I see a guy... Do they treat you differently, though? No, uh, probably. But I don't know, because mm. I, I sort of think all women think no men think they're great looking. Weirdly. Because I've talked to the most beautiful women in the world, and they're... Mm. Because I will tell you one reason... The most beautiful women in the world have been cheated on. Mm. And when you're cheated on, you feel like there's something wrong about you. There's something ugly about you. There's something. Mm. You're like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong mm. with me? What's wrong with me? It's easy to introvert women. And when you cheated on? I've been cheated on, yeah. And I have to say, and this is so sick, but when someone cheated on Angelina Jolie and someone cheated on Halle Berry, I thought, oh, my God, maybe I'm not so ugly. Mm. Isn't that weird mm. that you equate some man cheating on you because you think you are not good enough mm. or beautiful enough or something enough? And then I have to say it helped me, and that's mm. sick, that it, it took the most beautiful women in the world being mm. cheated on for me to go, yeah, maybe I'm not so mm. ugly. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Well, yeah, because in the 80s and 90s, though, you were one of those women. I know, but I had that then. I was... That's when I was cheated on. So I had that phobia, yeah. like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And, it, it, you know, it's just, I don't think men do that. Mm. I don't think men, I don't think if I cheated on you, you would go, oh, is it this? Is it my this? Am I, I don't think they introvert like that. Do you? No. I, I, I don't think in the same way. I no. think gay men do, though. Oh, do they? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they well, see they shouldn't because it's it, and. And straight men. I will also speak for women. Most women, if a guy's got 30 or 40 pounds on him, they don't care. Mm. I see guys and... But if you're a gay man, they do care. They do. By the way. Yeah. Well, damn it, gay men. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, I look at guys and I am... Uh, you, you know, I was just in the house with Dan. Yeah. Uh, Dan, who's Osborne, who has this amazing body. All the guys in the house had yeah. amazing bodies. So... That just isn't my deal. No. Do you know? My no. deal, if, if, if I was with somebody and they gained 40 pounds and they said, do you like me? But I, I would have to probably think pretty hard. Well, do I like you better like this or that? I don't know. What do you like? It really wouldn't make very yeah. much difference to me. But it does, it, you know, when it's flipped around. And with some men, it you know, doesn't either. Mm. Their wife could gain 30 pounds and they don't care. Mm. Uh, it's like fine with them, whatever. But I think it's going to all, in the end of the game, it boils down to how do you feel about yourself? How do you like yourself? How do you, what size do you feel best mm. at? I feel best thinner. Mm. And that's not because of mm. something that anyone said to me or made me feel bad about. I just like the ease of never thinking about, you know, if, if I walk into the closet when I'm thin, I swear to God, I throw on anything and I don't have a thought during the day. Mm. Do I look good? If I'm heavier, then I'm like, oh my God, a dress. I don't want someone to see my ass. I got to cover my ass up. I don't want to, oh my God. I, it's just this mm. chronic thing that I don't like. It's like when I quit, when I'm not smoking, I don't sit around going, I'm going to die of cancer. I'm going to do this. Mm. But if I smoke, after about six months, I'll go like, oh my God, I hope I don't die of cancer, you know? So it makes life easy mm. for me. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. Yeah, you feel better, right? Yeah. The Five. Each week I ask my guests about the five songs that mean the most to them. Maybe it's a song that inspired you to write and play music, one that brings back special memories, or maybe a song that you'd love to cover. Previous guest John Legend chose Marvin Gaye as his party starter. Sean Mendes, well, he chose Kings of Leon. That was inspiration for his last album. And James Corden pick the most uplifting of anthems from Albo. So, Kirsty, let's get your five tracks and why they mean so much to you. What is your first choice? All right, my first choice is Singing in the Rain from the movie Singing in the Rain uh, with Gene Kelly because I am a grandmother. My grandson is two now, but since he was about three months old, I would sing Singing in the Rain or I would play it on Alexa. And every morning I say, Waylon, would you like to hear Singing in the Rain from Singing in the Rain by Gene Kelly? And he looks at me like I've never asked him that question. And he's like, yes, I would love that. We play Singing in the Rain and uh, dance to it. And he has a very specific, <laughs> he has very specific arm motions that he that I learned on Dancing with the Stars, but he's picked them up. So anyway, that's just our little inside joke between each other, and we do that every single morning. I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feel, and I'm happy again. Okay, my second choice would probably be Over the Rainbow because I am from Kansas. <laughs> and, you know, when, 
when you think of your your upbringing and your hometowns and what they were known for, you know, I come from Wichita, Kansas, the air capital of the world, which means we build all these airplanes. But other than wheat and the air capital of the world, I never knew what to say. So when I would meet people, I would say, you know, I'm from Kansas, and they'd always bring up the Wizard of Oz. And it just reminds me of how swell Kansas is, to me, anyway. And we're very proud that everyone thinks it's the Wizard of Oz that they're going to see when they come to Kansas. So that's my number two choice. My number three choice is, and I think this is the world's sexiest song ever written, and uh, Courtney Love would agree. We had a chat about this, and this is uh, Led Zeppelin in the evening. Okay, if you have never shagged to this song, you have really missed the boat, because this is the sexiest song ever written in the evening by Led Zeppelin. It's fantastic. All right, my fourth choice is Vivaldi, Four Seasons. And the one I love, you know, it's sort of, uh, spring is my favorite out of the Four Seasons. But one time, my boyfriend... I was going off to film in Greece, and I had a new boyfriend who I ended up marrying, but I wasn't married to him at the time, thank God, because I was a little bit wild in Greece. But anyway, he gave me uh, a cassette, and he said, when you get to Greece and you wake up in the morning, play this. So my memory is of me waking up in Athens. I opened the drapes in the morning. I hit the button on the cassette, and I was looking over the Acropolis, listening to Vivaldi for season and I started crying because I thought oh my god here's a place that you've heard about your entire life this spectacular Greece and you get to listen to it with this full-on orchestra so it was very moving and my fifth song that I've always loved is by Willie Nelson, and it's You Are Always On My Mind. And I, I, because I feel like, you know, it's, we all like certain love songs for certain reasons. But again, I'm from Kansas, that's sort of the Midwest, and a lot of country music, and Willie Nelson is like the king of everything, country. And I remember, you know, what girls like to do, and maybe, you boys don't know this, but when you break their hearts, they like to lie on their bed and listen to the saddest songs they possibly can and bawl their eyes out and scream and call your name. And so this is a perfect song for a heartbroken girl, I would say. So I'm going to go with that one. And so any of you girls out there who have a broken heart, just listen to this song and it'll make it worse. When you were always on my mind, 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You're single at the moment, is that right? How is it to be Kirstie Alley in 2018 and trying to date when everyone meets via via apps, you know, like Tinder? Yeah, but I don't try to date. You don't? No, I don't. I'm very weird. I am like, weirdly, guys, the guys that are interested in me are too young for me. And I don't, I'm not interested. I'm like, no. I not only don't want a toy boy, I don't want to look at, (laughs) I don't want to have a, I don't want to have a holiday with my son over here, who's 26, and my lover, who's 28. <laughs> I just can't. It is. I can't do it. But it's the younger men that show you the interest. Yes, which is weird. But the old, when the guys are my age, they want some 28-year-old yeah. woman or some 30-year-old yeah. woman. But then you get – it's usually a range. I'm going to say the guys that like me the most are in their 30s to late 30s. That's still too young for me. It's too, I feel like this. No, dude, go. Go have babies. Get, have babies. Find a wife. What about fun, though? I mean, will you have... Will, will I you... will always have fun with yeah. the 28-year-old boys. <laughs> they're, they're fun. Yeah. They have a lot of energy. They're funny. You know, it's... So you will date... The guys my age are like night of the living dead. You know, they just... Boring. Oh, my God. Boring. They, they're so serious about everything. And they're... Serious about, you know, they want me to be serious. And, well, what do you think about this? And if we retire, will we be I'm like, shut up. So I don't. Well, don't you think that's why Madonna has always gone for younger men since her marriage ended? Maybe, because she's so hot and she's a dancer and she's a singer and she's always surrounded. I'm not, I don't walk mm-hmm. around and surrounded by dancers, you know. Yeah. She's but surrounded so when, by but them. But when people hear you're single, though, yeah. they presume that you're not with men. Do you see what I mean? So so, so you will go out with men, you'll have fun, you might be with a guy, but you don't actually want to get serious with a young guy. Is that what I you're saying? Out. I don't even go out very much. Yeah. I have such a good time with my friends. Yeah. I'm a grandmother. I have a great time with my grandson. I've always had the best time with my children. And I, I honestly say, what is a guy going to offer mm. me? 
He's not, I don't, you know. So you don't have a I need do want some to money, be in a relationship. I gotta say. <laughs> so if you're really, really sick and about 87, please apply. But, um, you know, my whole life I said, I don't want to be taken care of by a guy until recently. And I was like, yeah, just find some dude to fucking give me some money. Just whatever. Pay all the bills. <laughs> but see, because that will also surprise people, though, because people will assume that you're someone who never has to work again. Well, I, I in some circles i may never have to work again not in my circle i am very eccentric i give a lot of money away i spend a lot of money i have you know 16 lemurs i have 16 lemurs i do <laughs> some why why I, because i love animals and i love my lemurs and and you're in hollywood have, still having babies what and you live in hollywood still i do part of the time I do part of it, but I have, as we call it, a big nut. I, the only thing I've ever invested in is houses, and I have them all over the damn country. And they're not good investments because good investments are, are commercial properties mm. that you rent out and make mm. money, and mine just costs money. So, uh, so there is a lifestyle to maintain. If I did, if I didn't want to maintain the lifestyle I have right now, which I don't because I'm sick of it, but. If I didn't want to main, if it, it's great as long as you want to maintain it, but I feel like I would rather do something like, you know, when I came over here, I thought, give this a try, go yeah. somewhere, because I'm like a homebody. I thought, yeah. go to England, try this show, see if you'd like to work in England. You know, I've been offered things in England that I didn't take, but I thought maybe you'd like to go over there and work. Maybe mm -hmm. you'd like to do a movie. Maybe you'd like to do a show. Maybe, and open up my horizons because I am. A real homebody. My ideal man and I would just freaking watch movies and eat popcorn and tell jokes. That's about it. And maybe we would have sex if we weren't too lazy. But <laughs> that's sort of the guy I'm looking for, which is actually a gay man. <laughs> you see? It's perfect. I know. My gay friends. But I go, I'm too young for you. Why can't I just marry you? Because then, you know, I'm really good friends. You know Jonathan Knight? Yes. Yeah, okay, so I'm great friends with Jonathan Knight. We travel together. We do things together. He's the ideal man, except he's gay and he has a boyfriend. But there's not much sex in marriages, really, is there? So don't even worry about it. Okay, I won't. I'll just be with gay people. <laughs> it's the best way. As long as they're like movies. <laughs> and lemurs. But and no, I, I think there is increasingly an attitude developing. It's going to take a while for society to get around to this point. But increasingly now there is an acceptance that your self-worth does not have to be defined by whether you're in a relationship or not because nothing annoys me more i 100 percent agree with you and i will say this i would rather be in no relationship at all than a bad one absolutely i just and i've had my share of great ones and i've had my share of bad ones and there's nothing worse in my opinion than being in a bad relationship so if you are happy with why wouldn't i be happy with mm. my lifestyle i go anywhere i want to i have beautiful kids i have a grandson i have an amazing family i have i go anywhere i want i work where i want i have all the animals i want i have tons of friends uh, why would i i look at it more like this if i met someone i didn't have to go on a date and i just mm. went yo i mean maybe if someone did an arranged marriage with me it might mm. work the dating's the exhausting I, no, bit, isn't it? No, I'm not going to do that. No. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go. Eh, well, yeah. Oh well, thank you. Well, let, tell me about your life. No, <laughs> Google me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lazy. <laughs> now, Kirsty, when you were in the house, uh, yeah. there was a lot of fascination over here about a couple of the things you said about former co-stars, which you have been quite open about, right? I just want to oh, yeah, yeah, ask yeah. you about it in a bit more detail because, of course, John Travolta is someone who you've 
always been linked to because of the Look Who's Talking movies, yeah. which was and he's such my best friend, a but huge, yes. huge hit. But yeah. you said in the house, of course, he is married now, and, yes. and you were married at the time, but you did say that when you first met before he was married, yeah. you fell in love with him. I did. But it was never a sexual relationship, though. Well, it wasn't a sexual relationship because I'm not going to cheat on my husband. Yeah. But... It was, it, you know, I think there are things that are way worse than sexual relationship, mm. than cheating on someone that way. Because I consider th what I did even worse because mm. I actually let myself fall in love with him and stay in love with mm. him for a long time. And you're still in love with him. Uh, I'm, I love John. I'm not in love with him anymore because I'll tell you what happened. And this is a true story. His, he was, he had dated, uh, 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 Kelly Preston mm. before he did Look Who's Talking mm. With Me. And then I would say he would uh, he would agree that it was mutual, that we sort of fell in love with each other. Okay, so when it became very apparent that I wasn't going anywhere, I was staying married, and it, it, it became very... And then he started seeing Kelly again, and he said, what do you think? I said, I think you should marry her. I think she's terrific. Mm. I think she's amazing, and uh, she loves you, and you love her, and blah, 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 blah. I mean, not that he wouldn't have made his mm. decision on his own, but... Um, and so one time, so we did one more movie together and I was flirting with him like crazy. Mm. And, uh, we were in a, in a department store filming and I was flirting, flirt, 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 flirt. And Kelly came up to me and she said, uh, and they were married then. She said, um, why are you flirting with my husband? I was like, oh God, help, <laughs> ah, busted. <laughs> I was like, that's a really good question. <laughs> and that was sort of when I had to make yeah. a decision. Are you going to be this girl that's not only married, but he's now married and just flirt, you know, flirting yeah. in a way that is like, I love you. I, you know, I, I'm not saying that we said that, but yeah. you're still acting like you're together somehow when you're not. It was sort of kooky. So I made the decision and that was that was pretty much the end of that. But it must be so hard to be working with someone who you're in love with and you think it's mutual and then not to have sex. It Did you was kiss? hard. Did well, you kiss? We in the last movie I think we had some like little kiss or something. But the first one, you know, we were in bed, like you're not we weren't it was it was a you know, it was a PG movie, I think. But so yeah. you're romping around in the bed, but it wasn't but it was just that my burden was when I would have a leading man that I actually was in love with, mm. for real, loved them. Mm. And I, the whole, like I said, most of my career, I was married. Mm. So I, I also believe that it's just not okay to cheat mm. on a spouse. No, of course. But that creates a mm. real situation. Well, absolutely. And as you say, this sounds like a real, real love. So there's been all of these rumors about John being gay for years and years and years, which clearly you don't believe. No. I don't. I mean, I know him pretty well, and I, mm. I know the love. <laughs> mm. And so, gosh, I mean, it must be funny for you because your life—if if, you know—if you had made that decision, your life might be totally different. I think John and I, John and I are definitely kindred spirits. Yeah. But John and I would have devoured each other, because John and I are so alike, mm. uh, and. We are, you know, we're always doing skits and acting ridiculous. And, I mean, we would have burned out. It would be like two blazing Too much stars <laughs> just fizzled out. Do you know? John and Kelly are so beautiful together because she's much more um, 
understanding. She's much more uh, even keeled, mm. uh, perfect for him. Do you and know? you're friends now, you and Kelly, aren't you? Kelly's you, my you, best friend. You got over it. Kelly's and now been my best mates. friend for a long time. Because I knew I had to make a decision, too. I'm either going to be this creepy girl who flirts with her husband. <laughs> and, just, and flirting like and flirting is a form of cheating. Don't get me yeah, wrong. No, I'm cheating on my husband with all this flirtation stuff. And I just had to make a decision. Like, are you going to be that girl? Or are you going to have these guys as friends and have that kind of life? And so I, I did shift. But I will, not, I will say it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. The hardest decision. One of the hardest decisions I have to make. Because I was madly in love with him. He's such an amazing guy as well, isn't he? He's an amazing guy, and we just hit it. We were just, like, fun and funny together. But, you know, John goes to bed at, like, 4 or 5 in the morning and wakes up at 3 in the afternoon. I go to bed at 9 o'clock at night and I wake up at 5 in the morning. We basically would have not seen so each other. So at a practical level, it wouldn't right, have worked. No, and I'm afraid to fly, So and he's a pilot. So, you know, that'd be sort of... <laughs> It, it could have been a disaster. Okay, and it a... turned out great because we've remained friends, like best friends all these years. That is incredible that you've stayed so close. It's hard to do that in Hollywood, isn't it? They live next door to me. <laughs> so you're not getting away from Kelly them. said, Kelly's <laughs> dream is always to be like Lucy and Ethel. And so she bought the house next door to me. And we, there's every morning, <laughs> her son would say, can we go see the woman next door? <laughs> Me. And we come through the, uh, you know, through the fence. And then she comes over. It's pretty funny. So you've got a little, you've got a little, pa- little passage. Yeah, like, here we go. Ooh, hello. Now, I've got to ask you about some of your other famous coasters because there are some great okay. All right, stories. Go ahead. Okay. There's not that many. You saw Ted dancing naked in the shower while <laughs> filming chairs and were quite yeah. excited, I believe. Is that true? Well, yes, it is true. But I'll tell you what, you know, it was a little different there with what was considered correct. And I sort of prefer what we thought was correct then. But the, the goal every night uh, before we filmed was to see people naked. So what we would do is, uh, when I really saw him naked, was we, we were trying all different ways to break into the door to the bathroom when someone was taking a mm. shower. But Woody uh, came in through the ceiling. So we had it planned. So Woody dropped down through the ceiling, opened the door. And, you know, we didn't have, we weren't cell phones, so we go, you know. So my picture of Ted had his head cut off, and then it was just naked. But uh, we did that kind of thing all the time. I guess you would be, not get away with it now, right? Definitely Someone not. would say you're sexually harassing each other. I would be Absolutely. in prison. Everyone in the Cheers cast would be in prison. <laughs> not kidding. Everyone in the whole set would be in prison. Because what we thought was fun and funny yeah. and... I remember when I was doing Veronica's Closet because yeah. you, uh, there was someone that was sort of, it wasn't on our show, but someone else on the lot was accused of something inappropriate. So five attorneys, the net, uh, the studio set had five attorneys call all the shows in to have a very serious conversation about sexual harassment. Yeah. So Kathy Jimmy was in the show. <laughs> you know, Kathy Jimmy was in that. She's amazing. Yeah, she was in the show and... <laughs> Chill Mitchell and Dan Cortez. I mean, like, come on. And they said, you know, we're going to go over and talk to the suits and the <laughs> lawyers. So we, like, Kathy had only on a bra. Dan had give it to me in the ass. We had all this stuff. And we, anyway, we all got ready, and we went over to meet the attorneys, and we walked in, and we sat down. We didn't say anything, and they go, this is not funny. And we were like, sort of is, isn't it? <laughs> and they were like, this is not funny. 
And we then we couldn't stop laughing because it was they were so straight and so serious. This is not funny. This is not acceptable. This is not, I was like, shut up. But you know, sexual harassment is about the intention. Yeah. If you can't screw around with your pals and do stuff that it, when the intention is harmless. Yeah. I always I always knew when somebody was doing something coming on to me or being inappropriate or being sick or some perv, you know. But that's not what it was. And I think that it's being it's sad when you can't jack around with your friends mm. like that. And because you've been relatively outspoken about some of what's gone on in the Me Too movement and potentially that it's gone a bit too far. Yep. Do you feel like you were always treated right? Because it feels quite extraordinary given some of these stories, you know, that you were never impacted in any way personally, but you actually say, no, you weren't. Everyone did always treat no, you I could respect. have been impacted, but look, I... It, this the, the Me Too thing is a mixed bag of tricks because I think you do a person who's been raped a great disservice to say someone pushed me against a wall and mm. kissed me. And or if, touched my bum. Or, t- or patted me on the ass. It's or the not, knee sometimes. Uh, a cabinet minister lost their job here just for touching someone on the knee. Yeah, see, I, I feel like there's this... The top would be rape. Underneath it would be some kind of sexual pressure to have mm. sex to keep your job. You have these degrees of it. But... I had some, some, you know, when this was going on, it was like, you know, this guy pushed me up against the wall. It was so disturbing. And I was like, well, what if that had been so-and-so? And And I have a good example. I had someone living at my house, and this was a long time ago, and um, I had a chef. Mm. And their rooms were next to each other because she was being housekeeper and stuff, and he was being a chef. And then she came into the next morning, and she said, you know, I'm not going to say his name anyway. She said, he came in last night and he was in his underwear and he came to the door and she was like crying. And he said, I would like to have sex with you. And I said, no. And I said, what did he do? And she, he said, okay, and closed the door. Mm. And I said, okay. She goes, you should fire him. And I went, hold on a second. And I had a guest staying in the house. Mm. It was a very famous actor at the other wing of the house. I said, if that had been blah, 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 she goes, well, of course I would have had sex with him. <laughs> I was like, so here's a guy who isn't naked. He comes mm. to your door in his underwear, and he goes, I'd like to have sex with you. You have been flirting with him every single day that you've worked here. And you said no, and he left. But So I feel like you can't use, in other words, you can't use that power mm. and that against men either. And I feel like it was everybody got thrown mm. into the mix whether they had done something of magnitude or not. And I don't think that was fair to men. Well, we saw an example of it in the Celebrity Big Brother house. We did. That was Roxanne a perfect example. What did to Ryan Thomas because, I mean, it was insane, Kirsty. He didn't even... He didn't even touch the woman. And, and, and she's trying to get him arrested in the house. I mean... That really illustrates your point, wasn't yes. it? And you've just lived through this. I mean, what was your reaction to that situation? Well, you know, we were not privy to what was happening for 48 hours. So while you were seeing things, we weren't. Mm. Didn't even know what was going on. Um, so I didn't even know. When I heard about it, which was right before it all, it, it, I mean, the audience had already seen everything. But in the house, when I heard about it, I was just like, wait a minute. And so I tried to talk to her. And I don't know if they showed it or not, because I have no idea what they showed in the show. But I I said, is it possible that he was just messing around and it hurt? 
And she goes, no, I think it was intentional. Because I said, what's your, what do you think the intention was to hurt me? I was like, okay. Uh, does anything strike you weird about that? She goes, it does strike me where there's 100 cameras in here and he would do that. And I said, but anything, did when, when he was playing around and he hit you, did, uh, or I said, did that, what did you say? She said, I said, ouch. And I said, what did he say? She said, nothing. That was the weird part. He just walked off. He didn't just walk off. He said, I'm sorry. And he, I was sitting in the room when that happened. It was such an uneventful event that when I saw the playback is when I found out I was sitting in the room. But he's always doing this. Everybody in the house was, because, you know, uh, Ben was doing boxing with everybody. So everybody was dicking around, like, boo, 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 acting silly. And... Um, and then when I did see that he did nothing, almost nothing, and then she said, ouch, and he goes, sorry. So she, but then I have to say, and I'm not trying to make it worse than it is, but because it's really bad, but you have to think, especially in this climate, you are, you are saying something, and if it was true, it's true, but if it's false, you are ruining someone's livelihood. Mm -hmm. You are, and I think mm -hmm. that some of the guys in the U.S. that it happened to mm -hmm. had their livelihoods ruined for no reason. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the house, clearly, after seeing everything, she was willing to dramatize this thing and not have any concern mm -hmm. about him losing his career. Well, absolutely, and you know, you have been very honest about what's happened, and, and I agree. Why have judge and juries when at the moment people can lose their jobs, lose their careers after an unproven allegation? I know. And I thought I had a problem. I had a bit of a problem with, you know, this happened 20 years ago. And I, I, I just had a, I have a problem. I don't have when a person is assaulted. I mean, and a woman is raped or a woman is assaulted. Mm. I mean, my God, it. It's horrible, and I do understand why they might be afraid to speak up or something. I do understand the situations, but I also have to say that you you can't just... It's like the thing of someone pushed me against the mm. wall to kiss me. That isn't even where in the, anywhere near the ball game mm. of any of these, of the uh, mm. magnitude of these other things. Mm. And if a guy pushes you against the wall and kisses you, just go stop kissing mm. me. End of story. Because if a guy's interested in you and you're interested in him and he pushes you against the wall and kisses you, you're happy he kissed you. I feel really lucky about one thing in my career. It was in the very beginning of my career. I had a roommate. We were both budding actresses. And I made a decision that I would never meet anyone for a meeting. Uh, I'm doing air quotes. But uh, I would a meeting for a movie or a TV show unless it was in, during business hours mm -hmm. in an office. So I did not go to late night meetings. I would not go to someone's hotel room at 1230 at night because, yes, you could say you go to someone's hotel room at 1230 at night because they want to talk to you. But do they really need to talk to you at 1230 at night in their hotel room? And if something was going to happen and there would be no witnesses and they could do something to you, it seems like 1230 at night in a hotel room would be a better place than in an office with yeah. secretaries and people buzzing around. Where your intentions could be questioned. Exactly. So I just made the decision. It worked very well for me. I remember a, a, a famous person asked 
both my roommate and I to come to Malibu at 11 o'clock at night and have a meeting. Mm. And I go, I'm not going. And my roommate went and then came back and was crying. Oh, he was mm. trying to kiss me and he was trying to have sex mm. with me in the hot tub. I'm like, Hell, it's mm. Malibu. But I mean, are you, uh, are you, uh, what's your take on the casting couch? Because at the end of the day, and this isn't something that many people are prepared to talk about, especially in regards to the Me Too movement, but there have been a number of actors and actresses through their career who have benefited and become very famous through the casting couch, where the sex is totally consensual, but clearly immoral in some way. Uh, you know, I, I, I sort of started, I mean, I can't even, there's nothing I can even say because, you know, some of it is like, I want to say, I never had that experience. Mm. And I didn't ever have any experience like that at all, ever. Which at one point made me feel like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> was I not pretty enough? I mean, anything that happens to women. Was I not pretty enough? Was I not this enough? Was I not... And then I thought, am I not pretty enough to try and have sex with on a casting couch? So, but it just never happened, you know? I, I, and like I said, I, I feel like it consensual or not, no one ever tried to, mm. I, I, like I said, there were two times when someone tried to get me for a meeting and I, I was from, you know, off the truck from Kansas. So if anybody was going to be a dumbbell, it should have been me. But it did make sense to me that why do we have to have a meeting in a hot tub in Malibu mm. when we could have a meeting in your mm. office tomorrow? And maybe that's the Kansas thing mm. in me or the thing in me as a woman that says you're really setting yourself up for something here. And I never wanted to put myself in a position where I would mm. be somewhere where someone could do something to me and then there was no, no one absolutely. to help me. Harvey Weinstein, did you know him? I didn't, but I always thought he was a pig and I didn't even know he was up to that. I had no idea he was up to any of those things. I just thought he acted like a pig. So I'm just bad because... Uh, and I didn't ever think he was acting like that. And I didn't know him well. I just thought, ugh, man, you're lucky you have a lot of money because you're a pig. Uh, on a much nicer note, though, okay. Woody Harrelson. So is it true <laughs> that he sort of came on to you a bit? Woody would come on to me, yes, but he would come on to me in a very overt, funny way. So it was like jokey. Colleagues it was jokey, but around. if I had been, you know, like he spent the night at our house when I was married several times because we would go out and have a party or something instead of going all the way. And so at home, he would stay at the house because I had a big house. But a couple of times he'd knock on my bedroom door and go, do you want to come out and have sex with me? And I'd go, now, I know he's kidding, right? Mm. But if I came out and said yes, I would have been having sex, sex with him. You. you know, he's young and he was, he was funny. And, but I, he's like a brother that wants to have sex with you. Well, I guess that's not right. I know what you mean. Wrong about that. One of <laughs> a, a brother's friend wanting to have Let's sex go with, with you. That. I think I think that's safer. <laughs> whereas, whereas with Patrick Swayze, oh, like with John, with it was much more of an emotional. I was connection. madly in love with Patrick Swayze. Madly, madly, madly. But he was married, and I was married. And did you stay in touch in, in his later years? I did. I I honestly didn't. He was such. So it was he, different to John. It was I call him the, the last temptation of Christ. He was, I'm telling you, when we did North and South, we worked yeah. on it for a year. And although he was married and I was married, it was just so hard to mm. resist him. And I was also, it wasn't just because he was, I mean, there was a component about mm. how sexy he was. And, mm. you know, we were off every night on this show doing North and South mm. and we'd go dancing. 
And I mean, here's Dirty Dancer across the room, and you are baby, and he's not putting you in the corner. And so it's like falling more and more and more in love. And then we did, then we finished, and I finally went, oh my God, good, good, good. And then we did part two. So it was like fighting that temptation um, because I really liked his wife. Uh, I, I, I really like, you know, it's just, it's those kind of things that most people probably get divorces and run off together. Mm. But Pat, again, if, if you really looked at it on paper, which I would try to do, I thought if I got a divorce and he got a divorce and we ran off together, I'm telling you, it would have been a disaster. Mm. We, because we were so overblown, dramatic. It was like mm. I was living in a movie, you know? And you're a big believer in fidelity as well. I am. And he, I think he was too. We were both, it was just like it's not fair. So my only alternative was, to make something say, okay, you leave your wife, I'll leave my husband. Mm. He's been with his wife since he's 16, so I mean, you leave your wife, I'll leave my husband, and then we'll run off. So it wasn't an option, and there were no options within it, but I, I remember I hadn't seen him since then. Actually, when I won a Golden Globe or something, and I was going through the crowd. Or something, come on, that's amazing! <laughs> no, I was, but I was going through the crowd, and he was sitting there, and that was the first time I'd seen him in a long time. About three years before he passed away, I was at this uh, Muhammad Ali fundraiser thing. I came in, and I hadn't seen him for years and years. Mm. And I was seated next to he and his mm. wife at this banquet fundraiser. And I sat down, and I, I, I looked at him, and he goes, Hi, God, it's been a long time. I go, Yeah, it has. And I was so proud because I didn't, I wasn't fighting off the last temptation of Christ, yeah. right? But after about two hours of sitting there, I was like, I'm going to leave. <laughs> because then I was single, and yeah. he was still married. And it just, was, it just it wasn't good. And then when I, his, his wife asked me to speak at his uh, funeral service, yeah. and I was really happy to because he's an amazing, wonderful person. So besides me just being in love, falling in love with someone, he is... He had more energy than any person in the universe. He could do everything, too. Oh, listen, horses. Oh, yeah, I ride horses. Oh, I fly airplanes. Oh, yeah, I, you know, I dance. I'm a ballet dancer. I can do flips. I can do... There was nothing he couldn't do. Yeah. So it wasn't hard to find things to admire about him. No, absolutely not. Look, just the last thing I wanted to mention to you, which was something that you mentioned in the house, and I, I was so fascinated by it, it's actually um, was when you spoke about your brief but intense relationship with drugs. Um, because it's actually the reason why I have, have, have never taken drugs, because I'm always so scared, right, that if I do, so if I, if I had a line of cocaine, I would think, exactly as you thought, this is the greatest thing in the world, <laughs> I'm going to do it every single day until I die. Yeah. Which is why I don't. But then you somehow got off by a program called Narconin, like yep. how, like, what? Because there are so many people who battle drug addiction, and it, and it kills them, Kirsty. Or, exactly. Or it's, or it's, I've lost friends so, in the last year. So, me. what was it about this program that how you got off drugs that other people could take from that? Do you see what I mean? Right. Well, I think that you know, I missed. You know, I went through the high school and the college years take, doing no drugs, zero, mm. and then I was like. 24. I'd been married and divorced and well away from college and I was 24 and I, I went into a relationship with somebody and um, we were at a uh, 
at a, at a sort of a big party at this country club and in the bathroom, and these girls were saying, oh, I'm going to lay you out a line of coke. And I was like, what is that, cocaine? And I go, well, I don't do drugs. And I go, just try it one second. So I was like that. I went, and then I was like, shit, I'm doing this every day for the rest of my life, um, which is weird because yeah. I, I had no attachment to drugs. But what happened was I, I did them over a period of four years, but for the last year it was like, I really f knew that I was losing myself as myself. Mm. It wasn't, if you looked at me, you'd go, oh, she's pretty. Oh, she has everything. Oh, she has this. Mm. I didn't, I knew I was dying as a being. I knew that I had done something now that had made me not crazy Kirsty in a fun way, but mm. actually making me crazy. So I, when I went to Los Angeles to stop doing drugs, and thank God it was before my career, mm. uh, you know, I, Actually, Narconon is uh, created by L. Ron Hubbard. Mm. Um, well, it's using his technology, but it was started by a guy named Willie who was in uh, in prison, mm. and he asked to have some ways to get the guys that were in prison off drugs because they were withdrawing really, really hard. So that was what L. Ron Hubbard had this technology that he gave him to help people get off drugs. So I used that technology to get off drugs, which was to really find out, you know, it's a drug-free program. You're not put on methadone or some other kind of drug to get you off of drug. That's the first step, which so is how good. Did, how did they do it? How did you do it? You, you, you put on a lot of vitamins. You put on, uh, you do a sauna thing where you detox your body. You, you do different exercises to get yourself, you know, people who do drugs usually, by survey, they start doing them because they're bored. Mm. So you find out what's going on in your life for real, um, not by someone telling you what's going on in your life. You examine your life and you really examine what's going on and then you learn how to, I, I said it was this way, if I could ever find something that could help me and make me feel happier than when I did drugs, I was gonna go that route. So finding out, who I really was, finding out what my dreams really were. And that's where acting came in because I always wanted to be an actress and at about eight, I just squelched it like, who could ever be an actress if you're from Kansas? What a stupid idea I had, blah, blah, blah. But then it was like, you, it actually teaches you how to rehabilitate mm -hmm. yourself in not just I'm not a drug addict, but what do you want to do? What's your dream? What's your purpose? What would make you, ha what do you think would make you happy? Well, I'm afraid to say, well, what is that? well I like to be an actress. Okay, good, what else? And you start building your yourself back up as a as a being who is worthy. But thank goodness you did, because it set you on the path to become one of our great actresses. Well, thank you. But it also for me was it gave me back my sanity and it gave me back my worth. It mm. made me think I am worth something and I am worth creating whatever dreams I I deem to create. Mm. And what a great message to end the podcast. But right. Kirsty, I could speak to you all day. Sweet. Thank you. Kirsty Ali, fun. thank you so much for being in the pod today. It's been an absolute joy. Yes, thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Kirsty Ali, A list legend. Thank you so much for being here. And of course, there's loads more interviews like this. If you just subscribe now, you can listen back to our back catalogue. Everyone from Sam Smith to Ed Sheeran to Celine Dion, they are all there now to be listened to totally free. But of course, my interview on the last podcast with John Legend ended up going all around the world because of his revelation that his close mate, Kanye West, 
is deadly serious about running for president. So just after uh, the podcast was picked up on American websites like Fox News and CNN, Kanye confirmed his intentions by tweeting 2024. Now, the significance of that is, of course, the fact that that would be the year that he would run for president, assuming that his close friend Donald Trump wins and runs in 2020. So you can imagine there was a huge reaction to this idea uh, of John Legends that Kanye could well become the next leader of the free world. Jackie Harper, she said, the aliens are among us, God above, what's next? Little Miss Lulu on Twitter said, well, that's one thing I'm sure Kanye and DJT, Donald Trump, of course, have in common, a God complex. And Cora Clark uh, wrote to say, out of the frying pan into the fire. Of course, John Legend also opened up about why he's so determined to change public perceptions of breastfeeding. This is something that he has really supported his wife, Chrissy Teigen, on, saying there should be no public shaming of women who breastfeed. Bo Lancaster, right, to say, hats off to you, John. I think it's weird we live in a world where it's acceptable to go topless on a beach or show all your bits in a magazine, but it's offensive to do something natural like breastfeed. I couldn't agree more, Bo. And Gemma Chukaneri said, don't listen to the haters, feed your baby girl. So that was a podcast that got a huge reaction. You should absolutely take a listen to it now. John is one of the most intelligent and interesting celebrities around. Really hope you enjoyed the Dan Wilson interview with Kirsty Alley. Please do subscribe because our next A-list interview is coming very, very soon. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.